The 2X e-commerce podcast is brought to you by Bright Pearl, the number one retail operating system for e-commerce, multi-channel retail brands, and wholesalers who want to grow fearlessly. People love buzzwords. They love KPIs and this and that. All those are nonsense. But what we do is we really just look at the numbers. We found that we lose about 50% of our orders when we start raising the price, but the sales numbers are kind of like the same. The truth is people think that Facebook is responsible for your sales when it's really your offer that's responsible for your sales. And everybody wants to blame Facebook. It's not Facebook's fault that you don't know how to sell your product. So on today's episode, I'll be talking about simplifying the fundamentals of e-commerce growth. It's a great episode you do not want to miss, so do stay tuned. Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade. The widespread adoption of mobile technology, social media, as well as the lowered cost of cloud-based technology has not only eroded the barriers to entry in retail, but it's also led to the rapid rise and dominance of digital native product brands that sell directly to their customers. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high-growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or four-fold. That's when you start to unlock channels in the way that they were meant to be used. Listen to interviews with experts at the forefront of technology and innovation in digital retail. Three years ago, they wouldn't have come to us because, yeah, the macro trend of cloud, Wi-Fi, broadband, availability, that was a real, that was a real problem. Hear first-hand stories from founders of innovative direct-to-consumer brands. Although I was thinking about the competition, I was more thinking about, like, how do I just build a freaking successful business? We focus on driving as much traffic as possible, converting that traffic, uh, and then dumping money back into driving more traffic. These insights will help you consistently 2x growth in specific areas of your direct-to-consumer brand. This is the 2x e-commerce podcast, hosted by Kunle Campbell. Does your fast-growing online retail business stand out from the pack? Have you taken huge growth leaps in the last year? If so, step up and be in the running for Bright Pearl's Lightning 50, the definitive list of the fastest growing online businesses in the UK and US. Head over to brightpearl.com. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. I am your host, Kune Campbell, and the 2X e-commerce podcast show is dedicated to digital commerce insights for retail and e-commerce teams. Each week on this podcast, we interview either a commerce expert or a founder of a digital native brand or representative from a best-in-class commerce SaaS product. We give them a very tight remit to, 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 to allow you get ideas that you could test right away on your brand so you can improve commerce growth metrics such as conversions, average order value, repeat customers, your audience size, and ultimately your gross merchant value or sales. We are here to help you sell more sustainably. That is our, our remit. That's why I turn up every week, every Thursday to, to give you the juice, essentially. Now, speaking of which... Um, I um I, I interviewed a very um special 
um, you know, um, podcaster, fellow podcaster, e-commerce podcaster. So um, not just a podcaster, but an e-commerce podcaster called Jason Caruso. I actually met him a few years back in 2019. The last time I was in Boston um, for the Clavio Boston, um, uh, it was a conference of Clavio, Clavio BOS. And um, we, we just got talking in the in the podcast and, you know, booth, if, if you remember, if you recall, I recorded a few episodes live at the podcast and um, and then uh, we, we published on, on, on this particular channel. You could go way, way, way back. We didn't get to record at the time, but we said, look, um, let's, let's do something at some point. And um, in... <laughs> Three years after, three years after, so 2020, 21, and 22, we we decided to hook up, and um, yeah, he had, um, he, he has a lot to to share, and and we really just trying to get to the fundamentals, and and what what his his thesis essentially is, you know, if you're building, um, you know, a ten or ten million plus um e-commerce business, there's some fundamentals. You know, um, there's just some fundamentals. If you're trying to go from zero to ten million. Don't overcomplicate things. That's what he's trying to say. Um, simplify things. The fundamentals. Um, look at um, you know things like you know just don't look at conversions. Look at um, also micro conversions, and and then you know build out funnels. Um, you know just communicate very effectively with your customers to to, to essentially get them to, to 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 convert eventually via email. Um, he doesn't go too too tactical it, it's really a very strategic view from for founders to kind of understand the you know the fundamentals from copywriting facebook ads and email marketing as well as the astronomical rise of tiktok as we speak you know right now um and, and that's it really um he 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 has a lot to say um he himself um he's a co-founder at um you know if it's one or two e-commerce startups um and then they consult quite a lot he used to live in in New York and he's moved um to 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 a southern state right now and um yeah very very interesting in terms of um you know the the insights he 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 came you know he um he shared in this um, podcast so now why should you listen to this episode well if you are you know trying to figure out growth from you know 0 to 5 or 10 million or if you're stuck at um a gmv of you know um a million or so you know us dollars and you're trying to you know breakthrough and trying to figure stuff out, you know, further down the line. Um, interesting conversation for sure. Um, and just generally, if you want to know, you know, what's, you know, what's essentially how to sort of stack, um, you know, your, 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 your performance and your organic and your email, it's, it's really for marketing, um, less operational. Um, you're not going to get any finance advice. You're not going to get any, you know, operational. You're not going to get any supply chain. This, this one is really just marketing, um, in the seven figure range. So, um, if, if that floats your boat, definitely give this one a listen. Um, but for now, I shall leave you to a little short, quick message from our sponsors and then you, you, you get into the interview. Do have a good one and cheers. The 2X e-commerce podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo gives you the tools to get going faster. That is why it's trusted by over 50,000 e-commerce brands like Brooklinen, Nunn, and Chobbies. 
build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit clavio.com forward slash 2x to create your free account. That is K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com forward slash 2x. Hey, Jason, it's it's just it's wonderful, you know, um, having you on the 2x e-commerce podcast. It's been ages. I think you were in Clavio BOS in, when was it, September 2019? Yeah, man, Must I think been, it right? was. We were uh, we were recording together at uh, Clavio Boston, and um, you know, we our our, our meetup was kind of brief, but I remember us hitting it off pretty well. Uh, it's always nice to talk with other people doing what you're doing, just to kind of bounce ideas mm-hmm. off. And mm-hmm. I remember distinctly that uh, Kevin and I, after speaking to you, because I think at that time, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm we you were like like seven years at that point into podcasting. No, I um I will be seven years, seven or eight years now, I think. Because um, okay, so it's like if my math not correct, yeah, it must have been five or six. If, if my math's correct, so we started out um November two thousand and fourteen. You're right, actually, okay. fourteen okay. to nineteen, four minus nine is five, five years. Um, but when in at that point, I, I'll tell you, we really properly started this podcast in two thousand and fifteen. Um, yeah. so it was four years then it's still a while, st- you know, though still, still been a while, but, but it's been, how about you guys? How long you, you're, you're host of, um, e-commerce uncensored with, with Kevin, your partner. So, so how, how long have you guys been, yeah. been podcasting for? Yeah. So we've been doing it for about five years. Um, and wow. I, I just remember talking to you and Kevin and I like looked at each other like, wow, he's been doing it for that freaking long. I mean, <laughs> and cause I remember us asking you, like, do you have any, do you have any sponsors? Like, cause we were kind of like green at the time. We didn't know what to expect. And uh, so we were like, I was like, asking you all these questions. I just remember Kevin and I talking and like, my Lord, he's been doing it for a long time. So <laughs> I did. It was awesome. We um, really enjoyed meeting, meeting you. Likewise, likewise. I'm, I'm an introvert and this is the best thing for an introvert to, to be honest, you know, just meeting, you know, people, you know, on, on a weekly basis. Right. Um, I, I know you you have a phenomenal backstory, um, and I would love you to share your black backstory with um, with the audience. Where shall we start? How far back should we go prior to 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 e commerce? What got you into e commerce? Oh man! So back, I've been doing this probably for about seventeen, eighteen years, and um, I think like like everybody else, you know, I grew up. Well, not everybody else, but I grew up believing that I was going to create this laptop business, you know, back in the like early 2000s, late, you know, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So like 1999, 2000, 2001, 2002, and blogging really became like this thing, like everybody was going to live on the beach, you know. Right. So I actually had a business at that time that was offline and I started running ads on Google and I had like $5,000 and I remember saying like, all right, I'll let me spend these this money on my business. I try to get some phone calls, you know. Um, well, I spent five thousand dollars in one day and did not get a phone call. Ouch. Okay, yeah, it hurt at that time. Yeah. Um, but the interesting part was that it's it, it really like my curiosity, like it just peaked it because I was like, how the hell did this just happen? Like, how did I spend five thousand dollars? Long story short, um, I realized that there's all this whole other side of the business um, 
whether it be, you know, uh, tracking the click or uh, building like at that time, like conversion optimization was like a big thing, you know, mm-hmm. con- you know, conversion optimization, like uh, doing like landing pages and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. From there, uh, I started a. I'm, I'm just fast forwarding. I'm trying to give you like a quick no, version. No, of no worries, no worries. I'm all yes. I failed several times after that. I've built blogs, failed. Long story short, I started a baking blog with a professional pastry chef. Um, and that blog went from zero to $20,000 a month um, with a baking like a baking blog. Like it wasn't even like, like how do you sell things for a baking blog? What we did, like we were selling eBooks. We were doing uh you, we had a YouTube channel. So anything that, sh- you know, my partner would use on camera, like we had probably like 200,000 subscribers, a, a million views a month. Hmm. Um, and we, and we would like anything that she would use in the videos. We would have people come by on the website or the blog at the time. Mm-hmm. Her and I had a falling out. Um, that was a, a bad falling out, actually. And then I started working for Kevin, who is now my partner. And he had an agency. And the agency was like a, a, a graphic design agency. You can imagine seven years ago, graphic design was kind of... It was... The, Detrended. Yeah, detrending and... The money couldn't really make the money anymore, so he hired me for marketing because I went through that that bad breakup with my mm-hmm. other partner, and then from there I just started bringing clients in, um, and I said to him one day, I'm like, hey man, like I got to talk to you. Either he's like, what's up? I said either I got to be a partner or I'm leaving. <laughs> he's like, what do you mean? We just built this right amazing on. like agency, uh, so. Nevertheless, he brought me in as a as a partner. From there, we started the podcast. Um, we started the podcast originally to try to bring in clients for our agency, mm. and then um, we quick, quickly realized that it this this platform this this podcast medium is a it's a it's a long game, right? It's mm-hmm. not a it's not for the faint of heart, right? This no. is like <laughs> the audio version of a blog. Really, pretty right? much exactly, and you have to turn up every week, every every day. You have to turn up and turn up and turn up. Right. So we got we started this podcast. Now, what was pretty interesting about it was that we decided because Kevin and I have this relationship like brothers where we fight a lot, and we would get on the podcast and we're like, we're just gonna talk about what we're going through in our agency, and people are probably mm. going through the same thing. So. That's what we did. We got on 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 um we got some microphones, we got some cameras, and all we did was just kind of like like talk about what we're going through. A lot of times mm. that would turn into us like bickering at each other. The podcast grew c- really quickly. Now we didn't know that, but when you look at like the numbers and you look at like w- the numbers we're getting and the numbers that are supposedly pretty good, we're at the higher end of that for a B2B type mm-hmm. podcast, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of Going from there. Um, now we have several businesses. We have an agency. We have a multi-million dollar magazine that we own. We just started a golf business. We have the agency. Uh, we have a lot of things going on. So that's kind of where we, that's kind of like my backstory. I'm sorry for the extended version, but I think that. 
I love it. I love it. I love it. And it, it, it's, it's, it's important to, to get some context of, you know, where you're coming from and, you know, why you do what you do. I think it's no matter how long it takes, it, it's so important. So break down the business. You, you have the agency, you work with very select e-commerce businesses, I would think. Um, you also have the website called journal of wildlife photography.com. Um, at the moment you have, um, you sell an annual subscription for about a hundred bucks and then lifetime subscription for about 300. It's magazines, digital magazines, which I believe you publish, um, four times a year, but it's just high quality academic level wildlife, you know, photography. You've got a huge audience and, and you're milking it essentially with a, it's a JV, right? Um, with 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 all of this, all that's happening, which which is quite a lot, what do you think have been the most significant changes in in e-commerce um, in the last two years with COVID and, and everything? Yeah, you know that's a really interesting question, and um, I th- I think about this a lot because I do see a lot. Of changes. I mean, aside from COVID, um, aside from you know Facebook or Apple with the four point uh, the fourteen the iOS fourteen update, um, I think that has also played a huge part in the changes that we're seeing because I think people were so bullish on Facebook and and Facebook has con- gone through like this sort of evolution right like when facebook came out everybody was like couldn't wait to get on it it was like the end of the world to market on it everybody thought they were going to get rich then they realized it was like harder than they thought so it like kind of got rid of some of the people who were kind of posing and then like this ios thing came out and i think that it really distracted people even more and i think people um are kind of trying to figure out where they're plugging that hole you know some people are using youtube some are using tiktok some are using you know pinterest or whatever But what I think that I've seen, and it's a really crazy, crazy shift, and I don't, maybe not a shift, but, you know, I've been hearing probably for 10 years that email is going to die and um, social media is going to kill email. Um, No one's going to need email anymore. We're actually quite, like, we're seeing quite the opposite, actually. Mm. So we're going really bullish on email even more. Like even with like, you know, you know, supply chain issues are like a, a big problem right now, especially with physical products, right? Um, mm-hmm. One of our clients right now, and we could talk about this or we're going to talk about this. Uh, when they started working with us three years ago, they were doing about 1.5 mil- million. Uh, fast forward three years, they're going to be doing close to 10 million this this year. Now, it's going to be a little bit tight. Yeah, 10x. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a little tight though with with COVID because they can't manufacture the product as what fast. What do they sell? Uh, they sell. I don't. I don't want to get specific only because I don't think I could talk about their their revenue. But they sell mm-hmm. like a hair uh, dryer type thing. Okay. Um, and uh, just I don't. I just don't want to. Uh, I, I don't mind normally talking about it, but because I gave specific numbers, I don't. I don't want to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But they have this hair dryer, and it's specifically for type three and type four hair uh, people. Okay. Right. Um, men and women, actually. And the interesting thing is uh, that 
I mean, during COVID, it actually boosted their sales significantly because people couldn't go to the hairdresser anymore. Hmm. So this this device actually allows you to get the same results that you would at a, at a hair salon, but like at home. Hmm. So it really, um, it really helped actually COVID mm. for that, mm. for that particular brand. But email I'm seeing, um, being really pivotal, pivotal in, in our success right now. Mm. Mm. Um, and a lot of it is because you can track, you can track not so much you know, it doesn't change the iOS thing because the iOS problem is still, is also affecting email, Mm -hmm. but you don't need any reporting to see how many people are coming on your email list. So for Mm. instance, I'm running ads on Facebook. I'm spending thousands of dollars and people are freaking out because they can't track what's happening. But what we're doing is we're putting people on an email list and I don't need to track anything because I can just see how many people are signing up to my list every day. Exactly. As a micro conversion, essentially. And then you funnel them through to eventual sales, right? Yeah. I mean, because, you know, I, I think that um, as as we start seeing these distractions kind of happening more often with the new TikToks of the world and all these other things that are happening, um, cross-platform pollination, so to speak, was causing a lot of problems with tracking anyway. Like, how do you track a sale that the person saw you on Facebook, then on TikTok, and then purchased from TikTok? Like, who do you give credit to? Or someone came on your email list from Facebook, and then Mm. they went to... Uh, TikTok, and then they went to YouTube, and then they then they bought from the email. Like, who mm. do you give credit to? Any like, so it was always it was it was getting more difficult to track anyway. Mm. And Kevin and I have been have been preaching this to our clients, and it's been very difficult for them to understand this this concept. But we're telling our clients, like, look, stop worrying about what Facebook does or what. Google does or what YouTube does. Let's look at this as a pie. Let's look at it like as a whole and say, are we making more than we're spending? So are, we're yeah. spending a million, we're spending a million dollars a year. Are we making more than a million dollars back in profit? Yeah. And if yeah. you can do that, you don't have to worry so much about what, what every single platform is doing. Yeah. Uh, and that, that 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 really is like your marketing efficiency ratio, where you look at ad spend and you look at um, you know sales, and you, you know you, you obviously measure that ratio, but you're also looking at you know your your sales velocity. Where, where what's the trajectory to, of sales if we were to compare year on year? You know, are we panning well based on what we're spending? Fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. Um, in in regards to like consumer behavior. Um, do you think COVID has um, changed the way people shop online, particularly because we're we're, we're speaking to to e-commerce? Um, are, are you seeing any 
seismic changes have have people returned to their pre covid habits or um is are, are some habits you know here to to stay what 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 has been your experience you know it's interesting because i for a really long time have uh, have used blanket statements like uh like that question requires and have found that when i do that there are these little uh outliers or there are these these um you know things that kind of go against what i what i what i think is happening because it really what i'm seeing is like it just depends on the industry it depends on what you're selling um it depends on how, what the need is you know like like toilet paper during covid like could anyone tell you why that happened? I mean, no one even knows to this to this day why toilet paper was a thing, right? But if you ask the guys who are selling toilet paper online, they're gonna tell you that yeah, the buying the buying pattern or behavior has changed, right? People need toilet paper for some reason now. So I think it just depends because I've seen some uh, buying behaviors go one way for one company or one niche or one product. And I've seen it go the mm. other way with another. So I don't want to, I feel like sometimes the quote unquote gurus give advice to people that tend to be blanket statements that I've seen kind of fall apart with, with in, in other scenarios. So, mm. you know, I, I, I'm sorry that that wasn't a direct answer to your question, but it's like the best answer I can give because I'm not seeing the same thing across the board i think i'm just seeing different things yeah yeah i i, I guess that that there are always going to be exceptions to to a rule um <clears throat> and what, what i'm trying to get to is specifically to with covid with um most of the data store data i'm privy to um over with the stimulus checks in in the u.s we had something similar in the uk um we have the government pay salaries. Um, it was a percentage, like 80% of salaries. And that led to, along with the fact that retail was was shot, that led to like a spike. It was, you know, it was an unprecedented spike in e-commerce sales over that period. Um, and at the time, Facebook hadn't even sort of applied the AT to the app, you know, transparency tracking issue with iOS 14. And and so we were seeing ridiculous return on advertising spend. Facebook was reporting at that time that their reporting was a lot more accurate than, than what, it, what it is now. And then general sales and marketing efficiency, efficiency ratios were like high, you know, sky high. And in more recent months, I'd say in the last six months, it's almost like it's it's been a clawback in which things are st- stabilizing. And I'm talking for the for the middle, for the 50th percentile of um, of of stores of e-commerce brands, you know, out there, particularly direct to consumer, you know, brands. And it's it's been particularly this this year, um, and obviously Q1 is is hardly a, a good time for um for e-commerce in in most um industries but but what i'm trying to to get to is if you think people you know demographics that were not necessarily very 
receptive to e-commerce are opening up, you know, so I would say the 60 plus um, and also new shoppers that they're emerging new shoppers, you know, um, um, you have these um, Gen, Gen Z, um, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds who are pretty, pretty much new shoppers. I mean, my, my 11 year old son actually shops online now. He has an eBay account. He has, um, he shops on his, on his mom's um, Amazon. But, but yeah, it's just really seen, just seeing your perspective on, on, you know, are you bullish on e-commerce over, you know, over the next, over the rest of the year? You know, things are, are changing. There's inflation now. So. Yeah. And that's, that's what I was, that's what I was trying to get at. Like I have five businesses, right. Mm-hmm. And then I have clients that I work with. And so I agree with you. There has been in some, in some niches or in some, in some, you know, uh, some brands have seen that they have seen spikes like that. I could tell you the wildlife photography business that I own actually went the other way. At first, people couldn't leave their house, so they wanted to read the magazine, right? Mm. Then people started losing their jobs, and we've got we got a lot of emails saying like I lost my job, I can't afford to pay the $100 a year anymore. So, that particular brand, it 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 was kind of like, you know, up and down. Then uh, one of our clients, the one that we were talking about, who's going to do about, you know, uh, 10, 10 million this year about, um, they saw a gigantic spike because people couldn't go to the salons anymore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, people were taking that, that, that money that they were using for their hair in the salons and they were just putting yeah. it towards the device. Disposable. Mm. They're disposable. Right. Exactly. So, I also another thing that we haven't really quite talked about or or that another thing that plays into that is supply chain issues. So like this brand that I I keep talking about, we had to go out of stock like several times because we couldn't get something from China, I believe. Right? Mm-hmm. So um we went out of stock and our email list, we we would put on there, you know, like give us your email, we'll let you know when we're back in stock. I mean, we were mm-hmm. getting thousands of people every single day signing up for that because mm-hmm. um, they needed this product during COVID because they couldn't get their hair done. So I'm seeing it like all over the place. And I, I would, I, I personally couldn't say that I see it across the board with the brands that I'm working with. I'm, I have another product, um, another client of mine who has like a die, uh, a constipation product, mm-hmm. um, we haven't seen any change with them, good or bad. Just been kind of mm-hmm. like the same. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I just started a golf business. That thing literally is a few weeks old and I have people buying that product already. I mean, and then I just launched it like two, two or three weeks ago. Is, is, is it a physical or a digital product? This is a digital. It's a digital product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if that means anything. I mean... You know, I'm finding that when you talk to people and you say e-commerce, um, I think guys like you and I think of physical stuff, mm-hmm. but I don't know if the rest of the world looks at it like that. I could tell you that my 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 partner with the wildlife photography business was listening to my podcast, which is e-commerce uncensored. Mm-hmm. He was listening to the podcast because he thought he had an e-commerce product. When it was just a digital magazine, I, I would never say a digital magazine is e-commerce, but I guess if you think about it, 
you're selling something. So I mean, I don't, it's I don't transactional. Really know. Yeah. yeah I don't it's, know what that line conversion. is. Yeah. Right. It's transactional. There's a conversion, there's a cart, you know, there's a checkout of sorts. Um, so it would qualify. It would, would definitely, I mean, some, some, you know, some, there's some classifications of e-commerce as travel. So sometimes you'd find that, you know, these big, um, you know, data aggregators would, would say, um, you know, um, these are e-commerce sales excluding travel or including travel because it, that there's a checkout. Okay, so let's. Uh, I'd really love to speak to the um, hair dryer business. Um, obviously, you're not going to mention the, the brand name. Um, so again, just linking it to to my my prior question around like consumer behavior. Um, obviously, they're growing as a business. So, so what I'm trying to extrapolate from here is with COVID, um, some people are still not going to the salons, or they there's still this appetite to for self-care, you know, rather than, you know, going into a salon to, to get their hair's head on because it is growing, essentially. Is, is, is that the case? Actually, you know what's even, it's, it's actually even more interesting than that. Um, mm-hmm. We heard a lot of people saying that they can't go to the salon to get their hair done and they're on Zoom calls all day with work and they mm-hmm. need to look, um, like they want to look good because they're on with 40 people or 30 people or with the company. Um, and that was something that we didn't really even think about. Like they, they were like, we heard that a lot. Like, look, I gotta, I, I'm on zoom calls all day. I need, I need to do my hair, you know? Um, so I, I think that, uh, that was pretty interesting. I mean, I, I really would have never even thought about that, even though it seems pretty obvious, you know? Mm, 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 so I think from that standpoint, it was helping the business because people people couldn't go to the salons. Then mm-hmm. uh, people still wanted to look good because they're on Zoom. It's not like mm-hmm. it's like you know people are staying home, but they're communicating on on mm-hmm. Zoom with their with the company. So so so, so, so the the work from home or hybrid working macro trend seems to be triggering the appetites and demand for products people can use, you know, to, to look the part for, for, for their meetings, you know, for their zoom meetings, which is, which is phenomenal, which is very, very interesting as an insight. Right. Okay. So listeners, I think listeners are probably have this in uh, the back of their minds right now. They're like, how Jason and Kevin, how did you in three years grow a brand that was, you know, generating 1.5 million, you know, us in, in revenue, to now that's on track to to generate about 10 million. So it's almost 10x this brand. So if if you were to do it again in 2022 with a view to you know growing a $1 million brand to 10 million in, in 2025, what would the plan look like? Would it change from what you did, uh, what you've done in the last three years with them? No. It it wouldn't actually. Um I like that. <laughs> Yeah. So so it's it's repeatable. It's, it's, it's testable, right? It's applicable. So, uh, uh, you know, obviously like I don't want to get on here and talk about how great I am. That's not the purpose of this, but I will say that, you know, the wildlife photography business when we started was at zero and in, in a year it got to 2 million. This company was doing 1.5 and now we're going to be close to 10. Um, and I, I could tell you like, like people tend to overcomplicate this game and we tend to stick to just the basics. What, what people 
like doing is making things like they love buzzwords. They love, um, you know, KPIs and this and that, and all those are nonsense. But what we do is we really just look at the numbers and we look at what's happening and we try to determine, uh, by what the numbers are telling us, we try to determine, uh, how to use those numbers to make us move forward. And I'll give you an example because it's, it's very hard to explain. So when they first came to us, their device um, was $399. We found that when we're running Facebook ads, it was very difficult to get people who didn't know the brand to buy the device at $399. So, then we would run these offers. So like, let's say an Easter offer or a Christmas offer or in the U S a 4th of July offer, whatever we run, run an offer and we would take a hundred dollars off and bring it down to two ninety nine. The minute that we did that, the device flew off the shelves, off the shelf. We got a lot of resistant from the seat resistance from the CEO about selling it at 299 because like most business owners they fall in love with their with their product and then they fall in love with their perceived value of the product. So he invented this product and he didn't want to sell it for under 399. Um on top of that it was very expensive to make. It was whatever 160 something dollars to make, right? So mm-hmm. it was really expensive. He had to kind of make the margin up. So Early on, um, what Kevin and I did was I, I remember this, you know, just like really, really like, like yet, like it was yesterday, Kevin and I were talking like, we just have to tell the owner like that, like it has to be at 299. Like there's no, there's no question about it. It has to be at 299. Now let's figure out how we can make 299 work. Right. So what people do is they're like, oh my God. I got to take a hundred dollars off my, my retail price. I'm not going to make any money. Like, no, 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 no. You're making it more attractive by taking the hundred dollars off. Now let's figure out how to bring that average order value up. My point is that we don't have any preconceived notions of what things need to be. We let the data tell us, and then we exploit those things. So we saw 299 was flying off, off the shelves. We found a way to make 299 work, right? And that was, you know, an upsell or an order bump or, um, or packaging more stuff and then bringing it up to 399. So like, let's say we have a device, then we give them like five other products that doesn't, that don't really cost us much, but it brings that perceived value up. So we tend to look at the numbers and try to exploit the things that are working and we ignore the things that aren't. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how, uh, how we kind of look at these things is like, what we look at the numbers, we see if they're telling us anything. And by the way, it's what we did with the, with the journal of wildlife photography. When our business partner came to us, he had this business and it was like, it was making $200 a month. Like he couldn't, he couldn't sell it to anybody. Um, but I saw that 
he was making sales with a website that I couldn't even figure out how to place an order with. So I went back to Kevin and said, look, man, like this guy is making sales, even though it's not a lot. I mean, 200 bucks a month. Um, he's making sales with something that shouldn't be making sales. So I think we need to get in on this and and blow this thing up. So we did, we did the same thing with that. We looked at the numbers. We try to see if there's any thing that stands out to us. And if there is, we exploit it. And that's basically what we did. Uh, we went big. We saw something working and we went big. And that's, that's really all scaling is. You know, everybody wants to talk about like scaling being this like, you know, really all it is is just doing what you're doing, just a lot more of it. Let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly 500 billion by 2025. As a fast-growing area in commerce, subscriptions hold tremendous opportunities to build a community of customers who share your values. Recharge is the leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale subscription offerings. Recharge powers the growth of over 15,000 subscription merchants and their communities, turning one-time transactions into long-term customer relationships. Whether you're a direct-to-consumer business or an omni-channel brand, subscriptions strengthen the brand relationships with your customers and make it easy for customers to make repeat purchases. With subscriptions, merchants are able to experience predictable revenue, increased customer loyalty, and higher average order values. Turn transactions into relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Get started today with a subscription payment solution trusted by over 50 million subscribers worldwide by heading over to rechargepayments.com forward slash 2x. That is rechargepayments.com forward slash 2x. Did you know that loyal customers are nine times more likely to convert compared to a first-time shopper? That's why exceptional customer service is so important for your retention and growth. I recommend using Gorgeous, the leading help desk for Shopify, Magento, and big commerce merchants. Gorgeous combines all your communication channels, including email, SMS, social media, live chat, and phone into one platform. This saves your team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. It also integrates seamlessly with your existing tech stack so you can access customer information and even edit, return, refund, or create an order right from your help desk. To learn more, go to gorgeous.com. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S.com and mention 2x e-commerce podcast for two months free that is gorgeous.com for two months free just mention 2x e-commerce so so jason i love the fact that you 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 talk about looking at the numbers the fundamentals really to 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 really build in a business and actually taking action you know on um on the numbers on exactly what you're seeing um what percentage of shoppers did you bump up from the two nine nine retail for the primary, you know, sort of products, the the hair dryer, 
um, to your target 399? How easy was it? Was it 50-50? Was it a vast majority of the customer base? And, and how is that panning out on a long-term basis? Is there any subscription element to their business or is it kind of like a one-time purchase of, of, of their products? Yeah, man, that was like that was like really a big challenge with this business is that they only had one product or they only have one product. They're, they're working on some other products. So it makes it really difficult to get that lifetime value up, right? Like it's once they come in, they kind of come in. What, what's been interesting, and I'm glad you asked this question because what's been really interesting, and forgive me if I don't, if, if I don't answer it exactly as you uh, envisioned, um, but what we because you hear a lot of people talking about like don't discount your products, don't discount your products, ah, discounting it. That's that's lazy. That's a all right, fine, whatever. But what's been interesting, man, is like as the product has been having supply chain issues, we've been able to increase the the price because of supply and demand. So. It was at two ninety nine, and then COVID happened, and then the supply chain issue, issues happened, and then we started saying like, okay, this is an opportunity to start increasing the the price because we we, and it's funny we weren't doing it artificially. We were like, we need people to stop buying this thing, and mm-hmm. we know that as we bring that that price point from two ninety nine up, it starts changing the amount of sales in volume that we get. Yeah. What was really interesting. And I don't think this will work once things go back to back to normal. I believe that two ninety nine price point is going to be where we need to be. But right now it's working. We slowly increased the price, so two ninety nine went to three three forty nine or three twenty nine. I don't remember the exact jump, but as we started getting lower and lower inventory le- levels, we started continually bringing that price up. So that people would stop buying. And obviously the interesting part about that is that the revenue kind of stays the same. Mm. And I, we found that we lose about 50% of our orders when we start, you know, raising the price, but the, 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 the sales numbers are kind of like the same. Yeah. So that yeah. was a really interesting. That was really yeah. that was really interesting and, and for us. It, it probably gives you insights towards okay, perhaps you can create a premium product that will not necessarily be as appealing to a vast majority of our customer base, but some people will be willing to to spill out the cash anyway. Um, and then you just flip back to to the old pricing or something slightly higher than the old pricing, and then you you're serving sort two. To 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 two groups of of customers for at two different price points, I guess. Well, we did have two different. There's there's actually another one that they sell that was four ninety nine. So, mm. but that was really just like a package of other things. So mm. we do have like two ver- like two versions of 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 the product. One is three ninety nine. The other one was four ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really just adding things adding things to it that you get for free. Like, mm. like a, like one of the things was like this wand holder. It kind of like holds the wand that you use on your hair and that kind of holds it on the table. That was like part of the upset, like the package, the more expensive package. So we did those, we did those kind of things, but um, now they're coming out with other products 
um, that you can use with their device. So we're starting to become more of a brand here and that we got some funding and, th- and that kind of thing. So that's kind of, you know, uh, you know, kind of moving that ball forward a little quicker. But um, what's even crazier, I think, than all of that is that they're, that um, it leaves an opportunity to like with a device like this, where like we can come out with like a second device if we wanted to maybe make it a little smaller, a little lighter, those sort of things. And then the people who love the first version can get on a list to buy the second version. You know, you can do, you can do those kind of things. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and what, 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 what do you think, what, what's the, what's the stack? What was your, what are the channels you relied on um, to, to, to really stimulate um, growth? Was it, So I think you have to look at your business at, and and look at it, right? We, we tend to think that everybody on our email list acts the same and is the same person, but there are segments of your list that do things differently, right? Like they have different buying patterns. So most of what we do is just test. So what we what we what we've been doing a lot of lately is lead generation from Facebook to an email list and then what we do is we'll send out some offers and we'll send out some blogs and we'll send out some uh like other material about like, you know, you know, hair tutorials and that sort of thing. And we so what we've been doing is getting people on the email list and then kind of warming them up through email. Mm-hmm. Um, that's for two reasons. Number one, we didn't have any devices. Uh, but number two, uh, people tend to buy at different times. And, mm-hmm. you know, you don't really have to look too far to, you know, figure that out. I mean, we could send an email like right now. Let's just say right now it is 10 a.m. Uh, East Coast time, Eastern I can send an mm-hmm. uh, email right now and I get, let's say I make $5,000 from that email and that same email can go out tonight at eight, eight o'clock and the person who, the same so the person that bought at night skipped it in the morning and they somehow like eight hours changed their buying decision, right? Like they didn't buy it when I sent it at 10 a.m., but I sent it at 10 p.m. and for some reason they bought from that email, right? So, and the only difference is time or timing, right? Like how many times if you look at an email when you're sitting at the doctor or you're, you're doing something and you're like, Oh, I can't really look at this right now. And then you set, and then you get the same or a similar email the next morning when you're sitting on your couch on a Saturday, watching cartoons with your kid. Now you're like, Oh, okay. Now this is the right time. So, um, we tend to, we've, we've focused a lot more recently on our email growth, our email list growth and SMS. That's another big thing that we're doing is SMS. So to get to your original question, um, focusing on that email list has been huge. Uh, Mm -hmm. we definitely see front end sales from Facebook, Mm -hmm. but the people who don't the, the, the people that aren't hyper buyers, we like to get them on the email list. And that's kind of what we did. I mean, we grew that email list like probably to like, I don't know, hundred thousand, something like that. Um, and okay. so, yeah. Okay. Let's, let's break it down. So, um, 
from from what I'm hearing, you're buying traffic largely from Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, and sales is not your primary objective. Your your primary objective is the collection of emails, and um, you nurture those emails till a sale is squeezed over time, and and essentially that that is the the funnel. Now, any other thing could replace Facebook in in the long term. What I want to do is kind of break down and go into to 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 to, to the details. To, on Facebook, what are your objectives? Are they still conversion driven? Are they email conversion driven? Do you collect leads on Facebook, or would you get them pixeled on your website and and then start to collect emails? So I like to make everything simple. And when I hear people telling me to do something one way, I tend to not believe it and I'll just test it for myself because, um, you know, there are, there are variables, right? Like when someone's on your email list and they know who you are and you send out an email to them and they buy, like, how do you teach that? Like, okay, get somebody on your email list and send them emails, let them start liking you. And then they'll buy from you at some point. Like you can't really scale that. You really can't teach that. So I tend to just like to test things. And I found that the simpler I am on Facebook, the better my results are. And what I mean by that is I don't do the pixeling thing unless they're on my website and by then I'm trying to get them on the email list. So if we try to get the, if we get them to the website and we get them to give us their email address, um, if they don't buy, we'll then take that email list and upload it to Facebook and try to retarget the list on Facebook. But I've never, I mean, it does. I mean, I, one of our clients was a hundred million dollar brand. I've never, and I know people are going to say that I'm crazy and I'm wrong and I don't know what I'm talking about, but I've never seen a scenario where a business at even a hundred million dollars a year had to, or ran out of new people to market to where that pixeling made sense for the short term. Right. Like I've just never seen it. I've never seen like, like someone like talking about all these sales funnels, like, okay, top of the funnel, we're going to pixel these people, middle of the funnel, we're going to do this. And I've never seen that work. I've never seen anyone show me that that works. Right. Like I, I know people talk about it. I know everybody talks about it. I've never seen it work. It's never worked for me. It's never worked with the brands that are doing a hundred million. It's never like that I've seen. Um, so I don't really do that stuff. I keep it very simple. Have an ad. Well, all right. Let me let me start. Let me not start over, but let me I'll give you my I'll give us you our our secret. What most right. brands do is they create a Facebook ad. They have um multiple uh creative, multiple copy, all this like complex um these complex campaign structures and Top of the funnel, you're just trying to get them to know your brand. The middle of the funnel, they're a little bit warmer, so you can start introducing them to the product. And then the, the warm people, you do whatever you want with them, whatever. Um, what we do is kind of like the opposite. 
we find an offer that works. So we we create an irresistible offer. We put it out into the universe. And when we get the offer to work, then we start testing photos and copy and all these other things. Because the truth is people think that Facebook is responsible for your sales when it's really your offer that's responsible for your sales. And everybody wants to blame Facebook. It's not Facebook's fault that you don't know how to sell your product, right? Like, so we find an offer. Once it's working, then what we're doing is we're just trying to tighten it up with the new photos, with the new creative, with the new copy. So we do it backwards. So like, I never have to worry about like if my ads are working or not. I know the offer works. And if it's not working, then it's not a good offer. So we kind of do it backwards. So once we get that working, once we get the offer working and we know it works, now it's just a matter of figuring out the right process that gets us the, the lowest or the most return. Um, mm. Sometimes that's email. Sometimes that's giving a coupon for $100. Sometimes that's whatever. It doesn't really matter, but I have this offer that I know works. And then I just kind of tighten it up by testing a lot of different things. Super, super interesting. Okay, so um, what about the objective on on Facebook? Is is it conversions? Is it, um, you know, leads? How do you... You know, how, yeah, what, what is the Facebook campaign objective? Yeah. So I guess like the allure of Facebook was their ability to put your ad in front of people who are interested in the topic, who have shown interest in the topic. And it was getting a lot of uh, high, high returns because of their ability to do that. And that is, you know, defining what a conversion is and traffic and, a sale and all those things, right? That was the power of Facebook, at least for the novice, right? For the pros, they use it as a tool, right? Like we use Facebook as a tool to get attention. Um, whereas people use Facebook to build like, as like the backbone of their business, which I, I never ever recommend because when Facebook makes these changes, it kind of screws everything up. Whereas for us, it doesn't really change much. Um, but lately, what we've been doing is um, a conversion and not necessarily a purchase conversion because Facebook really can't figure that out anymore. I like to do uh, like just conversions to like say a thank you page, which will like a lead, so to speak. I, I, I was okay. trying not to use lead because – they have a lead objective. I don't use mm-hmm. the lead objective. No. I use the use, conversion objective. So you create a conversion, a custom conversion um, related to um, a URL hit, which is the thank you page you land on when you subscribe as an email. Um, obviously, um, so, so what kind of um, email conversion rates are would you deem good email conversion rates um, from from your from your experience perspective? So good for me really depends on the problem you're solving, right? And, you know, again, I, I like to keep everything as simple as possible. Like to me, I, I can't, I can't like these comp, these, these gurus that make everything so freaking complicated. It just never worked for me, you know? Um, so I, uh, I like to keep things simple. So like my landing page for like a lead gen is literally just like a form with like a title and a little message. 
and I'm getting like conversions. I'm getting email addresses for my golf business for under $2. I mean, it changes from day to day. Mondays seem to, mm-hmm. seem to be a really bad day for, for all my ads. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monday's just a bad day. Um, but on a good day, on a, on a normal day, it's usually like under two bucks. Now, okay. if you do it right, that's where it should be. Most people don't do it right. Most people, most people don't understand that like, and this is, I learned this. I am um, studying copywriting. It's something that like, it's my next evolution in my, in my learning marketing has been copywriting. So like I, you know, I'm reading all the copywriting books, the copywriting secrets, um, by uh, Jim Edwards and how to write copy that sells by Ray. Ed- I'm sorry. Yeah. Jim Edwards and Ray Edwards. Um, and what they said in both of these books that really stood out to me that I have been doing for a really long time. I just didn't know I was doing it. And that is um, people think that selling and copywriting is an art of persuading people to buy something that they don't want when in fact copywriting and sales is actually just giving people who need your product or or just convincing people that your product is what they need to solve their problem it's a completely different mind shift right like when you when you say to yourself, like, wait, I'm not trying to convince people who don't need what I'm selling to buy from me. And all I'm trying to do is convince them that my product can solve their problem instead. It changes the way you think of everything. And when you have a product that actually solves a problem that people are desperately looking to solve, getting people on your email list is a really easy thing. A really Mm -hmm. easy thing. Um, like I said, my golf landing page is literally a form with a title and like two sentences because my ad has pre-framed them where they just want what I'm offering. Doesn't, they don't really care what the landing page looks like. They just want the thing. Mm. If you can do that, like we've done with the golf business, like we've done with the wildlife photography business, like we've done with the hair, the hair care product, we've done that with all of them. And it's really easy to get people on your list. I mean, Mm you know, $2.50 or less per conversion. Mm. And, and then um, finally, in for, from for the email piece, so, so the email collection piece, um, do you ever use, um, you know, exit intent, you know, pop-ups or are they, you know, predominantly landing pages? This is like a whole, uh, this goes back to your data, looking at your mm-hmm. data because it depends. It depends on if, if you're heavy mobile, users or if you're heavy desktop users or if people are buying from desktop rather than mobile right because people do research on their mobile device and then they buy on their desktop device so or on their desktop so you have to know that data and understand that data because if nobody's coming to your website with you know on a computer then an exit intent is going to do nothing for you. So Mm. I like to, like I said, I always look at the data. I'm always looking at who I have coming to the website, what devices they're using. And then I make that determination from there. But something that's really been working well for us for years is uh, giving a special discount 
for the person's first order only. So somebody comes to the website, there's a pop-up that says, get 20% off your first order, right? Because you don't want them to be able to use this coupon over and over and over. So you're only going to allow them to use it for their first order. That has worked like crazy. What has worked even better is putting the product out of stock when we didn't have any more. And that was growing our email list exponentially. Thousands of people a day were coming on Mm -hmm. our email list with that strategy. Super, super interesting. And then um, the, the final piece is the email piece. We, we, you know, um, so do, do you take a, what is the um, ratio of like email flows, automated, you know, pre-built automated email flows, you know, based on um, actions versus, you know, campaigns, you know, just continuous campaigns. Um, frequency, email frequency is very important um, I've I found particularly from for from a brand recall standpoint, you know, um, it's it's so funny that um, the more I this is anecdotal, but the more I I see a brand, you know, um, on my email on a regular basis, the more likely that when I'm in buy mode, um, they come top of mind more than any other channel, in my opinion. So I'll give you an example: um, flowers. Um, that there's a brand called, um, is it Bloom and Wild in the UK? Um, they, you know, I get lovely, when they send us emails, I just expect to, to see a lovely, well laid out, you know, email. And, you know, it's quite often the frequency is, I'd say two or three times a week. Um, but anytime I'm thinking about like buying flowers, they come top of mind. But yeah, so so my question just just is is really the ratio. You know, wh- how are you thinking, uh, particularly from a revenue standpoint, um, how to structure flows versus campaigns in prep for for that conversion, essentially. Yeah, you know that's another another good question because I think this is another area where people are, have been misled. Um, you can take a thousand people stick them into a flow and then take that same thousand people and send them a, just a campaign, right? So a flow is automated and a campaign is just a one-off campaign email. It's a blast. And that, that one-off email will outperform the flow every single time. I don't know why. I don't know the reasoning. (laughs) It's just, that's what we see. That campaigns will outperform flows. Now, does that mean I don't use flows? Absolutely not. I definitely use flows, but I use them for things that are not necessarily the uh, the driver of the revenue. So what I mean by that is when we're trying to make money, we use campaigns. When we're doing things like um, cart abandonment or welcome flows or we're trying to sell uh, our customers something that is related to the product that we purchased or we sold them. So like an accessory or something that may go through a flow. For instance, this hair product needs a filter to be changed. So we'll have a flow that automatically sends them a filter uh, email after a year or two, whatever. Uh, birthday flows, like we get creative with those sort of things. And those those are the things that you can't send as one-off emails. But we 
<laughs> the interesting thing is the the hair drying company, we had to stop sending emails because we were making too many sales with them. But uh, another tip that I learned from these, these copywriters uh, is that they said, if you send emails that people want to read, you can email them every day. And that's what we, we try to do. We try to send emails that they want to read almost every day. Right. Okay, Jason. It's, uh, it's, it's fascinating. And and, and I'm glad we're, we're, we're on the same page. Um, I've preached, um, you know, micro conversions for a long time on, on this pod um, just that uh, important. I mean, even if you're looking to sell your business, one of the assets, you know, an acquirer would look at will be your email list. You know, how many people are you talking to? How many people, how much attention does your brand have? And and it's intangible and tangible at the same time. And and just seeing that it is the new profit center to de-risk against, you know, the, the lack of data and volatility of Facebook is is very, 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 very fascinating. Um, I could go on and on, um, you know, conversing with you because you have a lot to share. But um, before I let you go, what would be your like your final parting piece of advice to listeners who happen to be operators of e-commerce businesses um, for the rest or the remainder of um, 2022? You know, I, uh, I I think about this a lot because um, I start businesses often, um, I, often, as often as I can. I start businesses um, and I, I, I pay attention to the process. I pay attention to how difficult it is, you know, to get that first sale as opposed to that 2000th sale. And mm. I, I like to look at like, what are the factors in that, right? Like what are the factors in, um, you know, the 2000th sale compared to the first sale. And um, if you're, if you're an operator and you're just starting out or you're an operator and you're making, you know, whatever, half a million dollars a year or, or whatever, uh, to that, to that person, um, I would say, you know, all of life, including business is about experience and process. What, what you can do in day to, you know, a thousand in your business after you've been collecting emails on an email list, after you've been running Facebook ads, what you can do after two years is much different than what you can do day one. Right? So the, what I would say is like, embrace the process. There is going to be a process. You're not going, I mean, I've been doing this for years and years and years. And yes, my new golf business, uh, I launched, I launched it like a few weeks ago and it's already making sales. But that's only because I've been doing it for 17 years and failing that I kind of understand now the process that I need to go through to get people to take their credit card out and buy. So for, for, for that person, I would say patience, like just enjoy the process. Don't try to rush it because you're not going to be able to force it. You got to go through the process and learn, see what your customers, how they want to buy. You know, people fall in love with their email list and are scared to email them. Uh, because they're worried about what people are going to say. Well, let's like look at this logically. You have 100 people on your email list. 10 or 20% of those people open. So 10 people open. Let's call it 15 people or 20 people open the email. Now you're going to get 2% of those people clicking through. I mean, 
you're not talking about huge numbers, right? Like in that scenario, you need time. You need to figure out things. So, you know, don't be afraid to offend your email list. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but don't be afraid to send them so many emails that they're annoyed because that's how you learn. You learn, um, you know, I just, I was just sending out emails with my golf business and I saw the open rate started dipping a little bit and I started looking at the topics I was sending. I'm like, okay, maybe I need to change this a little bit. Boom. I changed the the subject line to something a little bit different and all of a sudden the open rate jumped. So don't be afraid to test those things because the truth of the matter is people don't really give a crap about you and you think that they're hanging on every word in your email when literally they're looking at their on their phone for seconds. So don't be afraid to test things. Don't be afraid to go through the process and understand that it's not going to happen overnight. You got to learn. You have to figure things out. You have to see what your customers want, how they want it, what they want to see. And all you can do is, is time or, or all that. The only way to get there is through time. You know, to the guy looking for his 2000th order or his 5,000th order or his 10,000th order, um, you know, I, I would say just do a little bit more of what you're doing because, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we are infatuated with thinking that there is this like, uh, you know, this thing out there like that nobody can really touch and feel um, like like this, this, this destination, uh, mm. which we call scaling. But really, it's just, as I said, just doing more of what you're doing. So I would say, like, keep doing what you're doing. Just now, you maybe want to go on a different platform. You're on Facebook, maybe try YouTube. You're on YouTube, maybe try Pinterest. You know, explore a little bit. When you have an offer that works, I technically, I, I see it normally working on all the platforms. It's just how you get that product in front of people changes, but the offer still works. So mm. maybe you want to extend, expand to other other platforms uh, if you're looking for your 5,000th order. But uh, yeah, I mean, that would be my my long advice, my advice, my long-winded advice to uh, both no, of those no, people. No worries at all. As I said, we could go on and on <laughs> and on. But um, yeah, it's it's been an incredible conversation. Um, we'll, we'll definitely touch, touch base again. Um, for, for people who want to find out more you know, about what you do, um, they should head over to ecommerceoncensored.com. You run a fantastic podcast with your with your partner Kevin. Um, you give unique insights, and you know, as the title of your podcast, you know, um, implies, it is truly uncensored. Doesn't feel, um, you know, polished. Um, and that's not. It's and I wouldn't. That's not a bad thing at all. It is really straight from the source, right? Right, unadulterated e-commerce, um, you know, um, value essentially. Um, Jason, do you hang out on any, any social media channels? Are you active on social or are you working all day? I'm working all day, but, um, if people have questions, they can certainly email me at Jason at e-commerce on censored.com. I'm happy to answer any questions, um, specifically about this talk. I know that I have a tendency of kind of going all over the place. It's just kind of how my brain works. Um, so if anybody needs me to clarify anything, they have a question, they can certainly reach out. And your comment about us being um, kind of like, you know, uh, un- 
whatever the word you use about being, I, I guess you said not like, doesn't seem produced or whatever. That's what we were going for. We're trying mm-hmm. to make it conversational. We're trying to make it uh, not theoretical. We try to talk about exactly what we're going through. And mm-hmm. look, sometimes the things we talk about work for people and other times it doesn't. It, you know, there's a lot of variables, a price point, product, you know, time of year. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a war going on right now in Ukraine that is distracting people. There's a whole bunch of things um, that, uh, that that could be happening. So we try to talk about the things that are working and not working for us. It's raw, raw stuff, raw, raw, raw and, and good stuff. It's organic. Absolutely raw. Organic. Yes, absolutely raw. In fact, we don't know Jason, what we're talking as, about until we get on. <laughs> exactly. Fantastic. Fantastic. Jason, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the 2X e-commerce podcast show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce. We encourage you to connect with our community of 2X e-commerce listeners on our Facebook group, e-commerce growth accelerator mastermind. Just search for 2X e-commerce on Facebook to find it. Answer three questions and you'll be approved. Grab the show notes of this episode on our website, 2xecommerce.com. Finally, if you haven't already, give the show a review on your podcasting app. Catch you on the next show and keep growing.